Good morning. Could I just invite you before we, uh, you guys can turn to 2 Corinthians 5, by the way. I hear pages turning and baby raspberries, so it's a good day, yep. <clears throat> so Second Corinthians 5, and uh, um, this is going to sound super awkward, but there's just certain passages of scripture that I could just like give it a kiss. Not a raspberry, especially because it's an iPad, but I just, I want you to hear something this morning. If you could just just close your eyes, because I don't want you to receive this from me. I want you to receive this from the Lord. So if you could just, just close your eyes real quick before we read this. Father says to you this morning, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Keep your eyes closed. Just keep receiving this from God. He speaks over you now. I love you. 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 He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. Jesus, we we receive your words this morning. Father, I can tell in in this moment you are opening hearts to receive your love. They're opening wider and wider. And so we just invite you through the work of your spirit just to continue to open up hearts to widely and fully receive your love. We don't just want a measure of your love. We don't want you to measure it out. We just want you to pour it out fully on us. Father, we, we confess that there are times actually that we that we are content just with a portion of your love, a portion of your promise, a portion of your power. And so through your conduit, your chosen conduit of love, may we receive so much from you this morning. And the church, just take a minute and Just invite God to do that in you personally. Just ask him to help you to receive the fullness of who he is in every way this morning.
So 2 Corinthians 5 um, is one of those passages for me. I heard Pierce mention that it's, he's just got like the whole chapter highlighted, um, and that's appropriate. <clears throat> but we're just going to read through this this morning. We're going to jump around a little bit. We're going to be in Isaiah 42 again. That's what you know, Margot read. We're going to spend a little time in, in Revelation and here's why. Um, by the way, this is a completely standalone message. We're, we're done with the series strong, um, even though it's up there. It still fits. God wants you to be strong. Stronger. Strongest. Amen. So <clears throat> here's, here's what I uh, um, just want you to know. Last week at the, at the baptism service, um, it, for those of you who weren't there, um, it, it was uh, it was super great, and um, just a just a really special time to share together as a family as we saw people um, make that proclamation of who Jesus is, the transformation that's happened in their lives, the transformation that's beginning in their lives. And, and so wherever they were on that path to recognize, and this is, this is what's so great, and this is why we're talking about this today. What's so great about that proclamation last week is that everyone understood that in, in, at one point along the path or another, they are becoming new. That Jesus has made them new. And here's what's really great about the whole idea of newness, the new person, the new man, the new woman in Christ that we are becoming. I gave a, a phrase last week, for those of you who weren't there, let's just kind of catch up. There's this really cool thing that happens in scripture where the, the past, the present, and the future are occurring together. They're together. Dave, how can this be? Because God is yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? All right. So, I want you to stay focused. You with me? With me, everyone? Some of you just staring at me. I don't know if you're catatonic. I don't know what's going on. Are you with me? Okay, here we go. So, it wouldn't matter. So, if we turn to the back of Scripture, right, we would see what is happening and what is to come. If we turn to the middle of Scripture, we see what is occurring because of what was promised and the continued promise that occurs into the future. And if we turn to the end, we see all that has been fulfilled and what God is doing. And still, because God continues into eternity and those of us who know Christ, who are in Christ, we continue into eternity with him. We see yet still more what is to come. It is a constant balance of the not yet now. We're experiencing that this morning. As, as we host the presence of God in our worship, we are literally putting on display the not yet now. When we engage in God's word and, and, and we are we are built up as the body of Christ, as we are encouraged and discipled to become the best possible followers of Jesus that we can be. We experience and display the not yet 
So when we read 2 Corinthians 5, okay, I just want you to put on your not yet, now hat. Okay? Super important because if you don't put on this hat, Ben, where are you, man? Hey. Yeah, hat. <laughs> He's with us. Can, can you take some of the low end out? You're trying? Okay. I, I feel like I'm in a cave. Um, thank you, though. I appreciate what you do very much, Ben. Can, can we just take a minute to thank not just Ben, but our, our entire tech team, that they, all that they do. We're just very grateful. I love your bald head, man. Hats are important for you this time of year. Okay. <clears throat> if we don't put on our not yet now hat and we go into Second um, Corinthians 5, here's what's going to happen. You're going to run into the reality of who you were yesterday and you're going to try to read the promise that's here in 2 Corinthians 5, and you are going to be tempted to disagree that you are new. Okay? So, got your not yet now hat on? Okay. I literally want to, like, create, I want to, like, make up, like, a beanie that literally just says, like, not yet now. All right, let's read. Verse 1. For we know, I'm reading out of the NLT this morning. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this body. My mom, when my great-grandpa died, um, I had a really hard time with it. My great-grandpa was special to me. I couldn't say grandpa when I was like itty-bitty, and so it came out Pierre. And even though his name was Claude, for the rest of his life to my entire family, he was Pierre, um, which I just absolutely love. Um, but I, he and I had a special relationship, and when he died... I was crushed. I was it, it just, just a mess. I just could not get over the sadness of it at, at eight years old. I, I cried and I cried and I cried. And my mom, it was one of her moments of like genius, went and bought me a candy bar. And as I opened up the candy bar, And I took the candy bar out. She grabbed the wrapper and she said, Dave, is this a candy bar? I was like, no. She said, was there a candy bar in it? Yeah. She said, when you saw Pierre at the funeral, you got to remember that that's not Pierre. Pierre's with Jesus. And what's left is his body. And comfort just washed over me. And I was good. That wasn't Pierre. That was his earthly tent. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this body, we will have a house in heaven. Now, I'm going to just break down all kinds of religious walls for you. It's going to be so great today. Okay, so if, if the tent that we have now is our earthly body, it, would it stand to reason that when 2 Corinthians 5.1 says we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands? I would suggest to you this morning <clears throat> that this, this body that you have, okay, um, is going to be, I don't know how to describe this. This is going to sound weird. I don't mean naked. I just want to preface that. I don't mean that. But it's going to be like this unwrapped body, 
right? There is no shell. There is no, you are just going to be fully who you were created to be in perfection, in the presence of God, beaming with God's glory, and this is going to be who you are, okay? So just keeping this in mind, okay? Keep going. Verse 2, we grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing, for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in this, these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. I'm feeling my age lately. It's been super fun. Um, I've worked a lot of hours over the last two weeks, and I'm thankful for it. I'm it was a it was a, a blessing and a gift to like move this operation downstairs and then a week later move it back upstairs. So fun. It accumulated a lot of hours and I, I was uh, sitting in the living room and I, I went to like get up off the couch and I kind of groaned. And Mar goes, "Don't do that. You sound old." speaks truth. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Anyway, I'll wait. I want, I want, to, I want, to, I want to just kiss God's word. Okay. We'll be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. Not yet, now. Okay, six. So, by the way, this is you. We, this is you. Okay, y'all with me? So we, everyone say we. We are always confident. Do you always feel confident? Me neither. Doggone it. But here it is. And I tell you why. You still got your not yet now hat on? This is why. Because sometimes I take that hat off. Sometimes I take that not yet now hat off. And I start to get disillusioned by the present realities of this day. But here it is. So we are always confident even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not yet at home with the Lord. Seven, for we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. Verse nine, so whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Not yet now. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Paul's a great writer. He writes with intention and purpose. There's, there is poetic nature to the writings of Paul. And so as he's writing to this church in Corinth, now remember, this is his second letter to the church in Corinth, okay? This is really important to keep in mind as we're reading this. He wrote a first letter, and the theme of the first letter, the theme of the first letter is there, there are some things, there are some things that we need to correct and get right. 
there are some things that you need to understand. That you, you do a lot of good things, and yet you need to understand the nature of love. Right? And we, we have spent a lot of time. We, we are not without intention. I, hope, I don't know if you know this or, or not. Maybe you're going to be like, okay, I get it now. For a year, for a year, we've been showing you what it looks like to be loved by God. We've been showing you what it looks like to contain love within the body of Christ. That the entire book of Ephesians contains not one single singular you, but every you in the book of Ephesians is plural. We showed you how to be strong in the Lord. Why? Why? Well, because love produces certain things in our lives, right? And so when we receive fully the love of God, production begins to happen. What's the production? The production is that who we are is now replaced by the heart and the character and the life of Jesus Christ. And we're changed and we're transformed into his likeness. And what does scripture tell us? God is love. So we wrestle with these earthly bodies. We wrestle with them because we know that it's something's just not right. You know, you ever had that little suspicion like something just isn't adding up? Not necessarily with your, well, maybe with your earthly body. Maybe you wake up, you're like, this can't be right. (laughs) (laughs) This can't be what we were created for. This this can't be it. There there has to be more. And then we have moments where like that that thin line between heaven and earth just gets a little bit thinner and, and we just encounter God, I mean, we had a little bit of that this morning, amen? I mean, such a beautiful morning of worship and to seeing God work and, and move and stir. God is doing something here among us. And it's been building and stirring for a while. But there was a season where I'm like, God, could you show up? I, I'm just being honest. And, and then guess what? Listen, this is so great. Even even for those of you who are sitting in my periphery, it's a good thing I trust everyone who's sitting in my periphery because otherwise I'd be nervous, get blindsided from Bill Goodrelight or something. But check this out. God started to transform your lives. God started to transform my life. And as we allow the transformation of Christ to come in and and change our hearts and to do things in us and to bind us together, God said, there's my body. I can do something with that. See, you're not yet now. Here's, Here's the coolest part of it. The not yet now, this body that Jesus is building up into his likeness, it's not just one of you. It's us together. And you're figuring it out. And I'm blessed and I'm proud of what God is doing in each of us. Because, verse 11, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. 
Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us. What Paul is saying here is he's writing as, as somebody who has apostolic authority over the, the body of Christ in Corinth. He's saying to them essentially like, we're coming to you again. We're out here. We're, we're, we're literally persuading others to follow Jesus. And we're doing this. Why are we doing this? We're not doing this to like, commend ourselves to you again. We're literally behaving in such a way that makes you proud. So you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. 1010. This is, this is I, I like half mean this. I know it's weird, but I, I hope that we're never a spectacular, shiny, attractive, attractional ministry. I hope that we will be known as people who have a sincere heart for the Lord. And then, whether it's 75 or 175, I'm not ready for 750. Sure. that we would just continue to be known because of the foundational work that each of you do to be a church that's known for a sincere heart for the Lord. If it seems, this is verse 13, this is one of my favorite things that Paul says, if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, either way, Everyone say either way. Either way, Christ's love controls us. This is it. Either way, if I'm acting a little crazy, if I'm I'm over-celebrating in worship, or I'm in the presence of people who don't know God, and I'm, I'm just... I'm just letting loose and just being so free to point out how God is loving them in the midst of their absence from actually aligning their hearts with God. It doesn't really matter. If I'm acting a little crazy, if it seems that I'm a little crazy, it's Christ's love that controls me. If if it seems I'm in my right mind and it's beneficial to the body of Christ, it's Christ's love that controls me. See, either way, it's Christ's love that controls me that controls you, that controls us. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we, uh, we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so, those, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, They will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. 10-10. Make sure you still got that now hat on. This This is the crux. When you behave contrary to the heart of God, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. And yet, there are some people who would argue that we cannot judge the heart of a Christian. Can I just tell you, let's just put this to death right now. We have not only the opportunity and the responsibility, because it's a weighty responsibility, but it is a privilege to both receive and to give accountability. If you disagree with that, it's because you don't understand that there is no condemnation. See, because I point out something that's not right with you, doesn't mean that I am against you. It doesn't mean that I judge you. It just means that I desire that Christ's love controls you. So there was somebody that just this week that we had a conversation. It was late. We were having a conversation, and, and we, had, we had to bring out some honesty between each other. And as we brought out that honesty between each other, accountability was present. But do you know what the, the, the foundation of that accountability was? Christ's love controls us. And so I don't get mad at you. I didn't get mad at him. There wasn't anger. There was honesty. I see this in you. And there was, there was words of apology. And it was beautiful. And you know what happened because of that? Because of accountability, a stronger relationship was formed. Jesus died for everyone, so those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And may that forever be continually more true in every one of your lives. This is how I know that it is happening already. This is not... This is not a message of saying, you got to get your act together, okay? This is a message of saying, like, you're doing good, and there will always be more. Why? Because it's not yet now. There will always be more. It is a bottomless bucket to draw from. Verse 16, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. No longer doing what? Oh, man. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ.
Not yet. Now. I look across this room. You guys can turn back to Isaiah 42. I look across this room. And I see, I see, uh, I see a beautiful people. Paul, you're beautiful. Hey, Don Golden, you're beautiful. You don't have to like. You can just just give yourself a hug, Don. Beautiful man of God, and the same is true for every single one of you. It is who you are. And when you live that out, you display the beauty of God in your life. And at the same time, it requires the tremendous work of the Holy Spirit to bring us to a greater likeness in Christ. So Scripture tells us, right, that we are, we're, we're no longer controlled by the world. We're no longer controlled by the former things. Old life is gone. New life has begun. Therefore, it's Christ's love that controls us. Isaiah 42, verse 9. Everything I have prophesied has come true, and now I will prophesy again. I will tell you the future before it happens. Another translation for you just to to give it some depth. This is from the message. It says, take note, the earlier predictions of judgment have been fulfilled. I'm announcing the new salvation work. Before it bursts on the scene, I'm telling you all about it. The reason I'm I'm pointing out to Isaiah 42, okay? We could go all the way back to Genesis and we would still have the same message. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, we're all over scripture today, isn't this great? Because God has been telling the same story from the start till now. And for all time, amen. So this is, so Genesis, right? Adam and Eve sinned. They, they get all super awkward about it. Satan, the serpent, tries to tell them, like, uh, you, know, you can eat this fruit. God just doesn't want you to eat this fruit because then you'll just be like him. And, and there you go, Tim Downs. Yeah. Um, man, that was like, I'm totally derailed now. Tim requested the password for 1010 Community, and it came up on my iPad saying, share password with Tim Downs? Okay. Okay, here we are. Genesis 3, 2, 3. So like, they, they um, yeah, 3, 2, 3, that's not really what I meant. But here's, so what's happening is that they, they sin, and it gets super awkward. The, the serpents told them, you know, how you can eat, like, ah, don't listen to God. He just, he just doesn't want you to have what's best for you. And, and they, they eat, right? And then there's this big argument. W- was Adam actually there when Eve took the fruit, or did he come by later? I think he was there. Because she just turned around and handed him the fruit. Pretty evident to me, right? But then later, Adam, when he's confronted by this, he's like, well, the, the wife took it. She, she's the one who ate the fruit, and then she gave it to me, and... Super awkward. 
They're both equally guilty. But here's, here's what I want to point out. Their eyes were opened. They ate the fruit, eyes were opened, and what did they discover? They were naked, right? And so they fashioned fig leaves together, and then they heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And what did they do? Hid. Now, why would they hide? It's like the dumbest thing ever. I think I'll hide from God. uh, Okay, we all do it. We all do it, okay? So, like, we haven't learned our lesson yet. Um, And so they hide, and God, in his kindness, in his kindness, he says, where are you? Now, I just would propose to you this morning, the reason that God said, where are you, was not because he was unaware, but because he wanted them to step out of shame. Here I am. From that moment, from that moment, God forever set in motion that we would notice a portion of his character. And the portion of his character that we would forever notice for the rest of time is that God is now known as the pursuer. The pursuer. So he killed an animal and he made them close. And then he told them, things are going to get a little rough for you. And, and he, he essentially hands out some, some consequences. Sin has consequences. Can't get around it. When we behave alternate to the character of Christ, instead of blessing, we get the alternate of blessing that gets produced in our lives. It's just simple math. But he fashions these clothes together and he says, this is how things are going to be. And then he prophesies over Eve. If this does not stir your heart, he prophesies over her. He said, Eve, can you hear God's word when he says to her, like, you're going to have pain in childbirth? And he's actually sad to tell her. He's not being vengeful. He's saying, I, I, my heart breaks for you that this is how things are going to have to be. But who you are is going to be restored. We get, we're, we're, we're off track. Turn to Genesis 3. I want you guys to see this. It is related. Verse 20. I don't know if you knew this. This was new information for me recently, but check this out. Eve's been around for a little while. She's been, you know, Adam fell asleep, God took a rib, made Eve, and she, now all that, all that Adam said when he woke up from that sleep and saw Eve, he said, now this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And this promise of two becoming one becomes apparent. Now we're in verse 3. She ate like, she literally, it was like the biggest oops in, in history. 
She literally set humanity on a new trajectory because of a piece of fruit. And she's feeling shame. But guess what happens? Verse 20, the man, now let me go to something outside of the message here. Let me, okay. Verse 20. Oh, this is so good. The man, Adam, named his wife Eve. She didn't have a name before that. What? Had any of you ever noticed that before? I hadn't. She's been walking around. Remember that season where we were like the church of no name? Yeah. If you weren't around for that, it was super awesome. But she didn't have a name. And then, oh, man, Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. Her name was prophetic. God, okay, imagine Adam standing over here, okay, and, and, and God's talking to Eve over here, and he's just over here going like, wow. He's, he's seeing the love of God. He's seeing the promise of God. Even though there's consequence, he's looking at the interaction between God and Eve, and he's recognizing that God is fulfilling and sustaining his promise for his love for humanity. And, and out of his overflow and joy, he looks at her and goes, you're Eve. Because you're going to be the mother of all who live. His his head blows up, right? He's just like, wow. How does this relate? Now that I'm a little out of breath. How this relates is this. promise that was fulfilled in the prophecy of the garden was the Savior, Jesus Christ. That the relationship that once was, okay, remember this whole idea of like was, is, is to come, right? The promise that once was through Jesus now becomes And as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, this awe of who God is, and and if we were just honest about how God really makes us feel, like it it is is a little scary, the might and the strength and just the all-consuming nature of God, that's intimidating. And yet, oh my goodness, Danny and I were talking about this last week. Almost every time that somebody was afraid of God, what are his words? Fear not. You ought to be afraid of me, but don't. Because I love you, and I'm the pursuer, and I draw near. Church. Real quick, Revelation 21.5. We just went from Genesis to Revelation in a Sunday. Amen. 21.5. I love the pages. I love the pages. 21.5. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy 
and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Genesis, you're my creation. You're my children. Jesus, you're my precious possession. You are children of God. Be restored to the family of God. In Revelation, the same message ringing out across all creation, all who are thirsty, come. For you are the children of God. 10.10. May you always know May you always know who you are. And in the moment that you feel like you don't know if God could possibly love you, could you just remember for a minute to put on your not yet now hat and receive the promise of God to say that you belong to him. Don't don't just receive a measure of that. Don't ask for a portion of it. Right? It'd be like, it'd be like making a recipe that calls for two cups of water and you put in a quarter of a cup. God has a plan for you. And this is not cliche. He has a plan for you. And you are in his plan now. Now, when he says, I have a plan for you, he didn't say, I have a plan for you someday. I am working out my plan in you now. Is there more to the plan? Yep. Not yet. Not yet. And also now. Keep working it out. Keep trusting the promises of God. Keep trusting that you are, you are literally redeemed to receive the full promise of God. Your behavior does not determine how much he measures out to you. What determines how much he measures out to you is the fullness of Christ's redemption on the cross. That's the measuring stick. You get to receive all of it. He's working in it now. He is working out the plan in 1010 now. Are there promises for someday? Yes. Amen. There is much that we are yet to experience as a church, and yet he's pouring out his promise also now. And this morning as we close out, I actually want to share a part of that promise. How many of you know that I am not good at being all things to all people? Every hand should go up. Some of you should put two hands up in surrender to say, please, Lord, help us. No, so listen, it was never God's intention that the pastoral ministry of a church belong to one person. We know this here. We've talked about it. Ephesians 4 lays it out to say that God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers for the equipping of the saints until they reach all maturity. It's my privilege to continue 
to serve you for as long as God wills. But I'm not everything you need. And can I tell you how much comfort that gives me to not have to try to be everything that you need? Amen. about this. Ten ten, it is my privilege to tell you that beginning January 1, according to God's goodness and his faithfulness as he works out his plans, as he works out relationships, as he causes us to learn how to have honor and respect and mutual submission to one another, it is my great privilege to share with you that we will be welcoming on staff Danny Ferry. Amen. Danny, come here. Danny is a faithful servant to this body and to me. And um, in, in an act of faith, and an act of courage as we move forward and boldly, really, into what God has for us in the future. Um, Danny will be a part of our pastoral staff. Pastor Danny. How's that feel? Feels, feels good to me. Um, it's been my privilege to watch how God has worked out um, development and growth and um, so many things in Danny. And uh, <clears throat> Danny is in many ways my opposite. Um, and he's super complimentary to me. This ministry here at 1010 is, a, is, is about to, is about to, to take off. Um, it's already happening. God is stirring. He's doing his work as all of you remain open. And now, in conjunction with that, in partnership with what God is doing, um, we, are going to, we are going to assist each other in serving you. And uh, it's, um, it's been a long time coming. I asked several of you um, beforehand, like, hey, what do you think about, about bringing Danny on staff? And everyone's like, I'm actually surprised it hasn't happened yet. Um, and I kind of feel the same way. Um, church, uh, on December 15th, we're going to have an installation service for Danny. And um, we will properly welcome him um, as a part of the, the pastoral staff here at 1010. Um, but today, today, in a more raw and organic way, um, before, you know, his family's invited, and between his family and Laura's family, it's like, more chairs than we have, um, so I'm not really sure what we're going <laughs> to, we're, we're, we're going to actually have to go back downstairs for that. Um, we'll be having a meal afterwards on the 15th, um, just to celebrate what God is doing. Um, and so today though, today, um, could you just join me? Can you all come up here and surround Danny, please?
And, and as, we, as we surround Danny, um, I know all of you are not going to be able to get your hands on him. Danny, you're going to have to move away from the stage, bud. Yeah, yeah. Make room. But can we just take a few minutes? In light of what we have prayed today, or what we've heard today, what, what we have understood about this not yet now. Um, Danny stands in the midst of you um, as someone who has accepted the call to serve and to minister to each of you. And I would just want for you as his church family to take some time now and just pray and speak promises and blessing over Danny Ferry.
So Danny, um, the will of God for you being done to new and greater levels in your life. The desire of your heart for such a long time on this day is consecrated here around you with the church family that embraces you, accepts you, agrees to your influence embraces your desire to serve these people. Jesus, we recognize that a call to ministry is a call to lay down one's life to such a degree. And so um, we don't just commend Danny to this role. We don't just We don't just encourage him in this moment, but as a people, we agree together to hold Danny up, to pray for Danny, to be a continual source of encouragement, not just in this moment, but for all the days to come. Father, you are doing a new thing. So much so, Lord, that, that uh, I can't stop smiling. <laughs> um, and so, Jesus, we celebrate with you now. We celebrate with you because um, we get to see, we have a front row seat to what not only you are doing in Danny, but how this body of Christ, this ministry that you are building up as your house, as your church, um, this day comes into greater strength and greater fulfillment. Thank you, Jesus. You love us. You love Danny. So in agreement now, as a body of 1010 before you, Lord, we just say yes and amen as we agree with your yes and amen. Thank you that we'll have a cause and an opportunity to celebrate in the days to come. Thank you for all that you are going to fulfill in your purposes through Danny and through a greater level of partnership that's occurring. So thank you, Jesus. And all God's people together said, amen. 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 All right, church, let's worship together.